Metunetter, Volume 3, The Key to Miracles, Chapter 2, Page 39. Man, the Likeness of God. On several occasions, Western psychologists have put their fingers on the fundamental and unifying principle of human behavior, but because they did not recognize it, they failed to embrace it and to develop psychological and sociological systems that could assist in bringing about integrity and harmony in the lives of individuals and society. Even before them, the religious readers of many religious systems came upon the essential knowledge for man's salvation and failed, for the same reason, to elaborate the knowledge into a practical system that would allow man to attain his or her salvation. In this and following chapters, we will explore this perspective. It revolves around man's self-image. At this point, I must ask you to suspend all ideas that you have acquired and formed about self-image until you have gained competence in the application of the teachings in this manual. One of the master principles is most, in most religions is the world is that man is made in the likeness of God. The logical consequence of this principle is straightforward. If man is made in the likeness of God, then man shares in the attributes or qualities of God. The divine qualities of God then are the same for man and make up thus man's self-image. I will prove to be very instructive to take a very detailed look at the historical record of this principle and the various religions of the world. Let's examine the religious system in question in their chronological order. The first and oldest religion to claim that man has been made in the likeness of God is the religious systems of ancient Egypt. We will begin with it. Due to the many misconceptions, misinterpretations, and blatant disinformations that have accrued around this religious system, I will need to clarify many points along the way. I beg your patience. Let's begin with the fact that much of the spiritual, scientific, artistic, and literary accomplishments of Egypt has been lost forever due to the massive destruction upwards of 75% of its books by the Christians and Muslims that took over the country. In the same manner that the Arabic and Christian religions are understood through a collection of many books, we must arrange the various extant books of ancient Egypt in order to understand its religion. We must deal first with, of all with the claim that the ancient Egyptians were polytheists. I dealt completely with this matter in the first volume of this series and will not go into it at this point as, I will, as it will take up the matter again in the future chapters. It is enough to state that the records of the Egyptians make it clear that from the immemorable, immemorial they worshipped one supreme being that they referred to as Neb, er, Tchur, the Lord of all. Some of the various so-called different gods were different conceptions of the nature of the Godhead. Others were different conceptions of divine faculties through which the supreme being creates and administers the world. 
monotheistic religions called these concepts and divine faculties angels when referring to their own tradition in order to preserve the monotheistic claim, but called them deities and demigods when referring to religions of people they want to smear as being primitive polytheists. Once these matters are cleaned up, it will become very easy to know which conceptualization of the Godhead bears the likeness of man. Let's briefly recall that God's being is composed of two main categories, God's self or the Godhead, which is devoid of energy and matter, yet is consciousness and will itself. In the comedic religion, the chief designator of God's self is called Ausars or Ausar. The other division of God's being is the energy matter part that is thus capable of manifesting the will of God. This is God's spirit, which the Kamau called Ra, the kinetic name for sun, is Aten, not Ra. In the same manner that a cell in your body is a microcosmic image of your entire body processed of the same kinds of organs and functions, so is man a microcosmic image of God, the macrocosm. The essence of the various comedic spiritual scriptures is devoted to the practical elaboration of man's likeness with God. Throughout most of the spiritual scriptures of Egypt, man is identified with the Godhead, Ausar, and is given instruction that will enable him or her to travel along the eternal journey of the Holy Spirit, Ra. The Godhead is consciousness, will, and is devoid of energy and matter, and therefore carries out its experiences or journeys through the spirit, Ra, which provides the matter out of which are built the forms that contains the consciousness and provides energy provides the energy which carries out the will. At this stage, we will limit ourselves to man's identity of his or herself, Ausar, with the self-image of God, Ausaris or Autum. The concept that man is made in the likeness of God has its foundation in the creation theories of Kemet. In the book of knowing the transformations of Ra and overthrowing Apep, the following is recorded. Quote, the words of the Lord of all, which he spoke after he came into existence. I am he who came into existence as the creator. After I came into existence, many beings came from my mouth, not existed heaven not existed earth, not had been created the thing of the earth and creeping things in place there. Not found I a place I could stand wherein. I enlightened my will. I laid a foundation in Ma and I made very, I made every attribute. I was alone. Not born were they not had I emitted shoe, not had I emitted tefnut. 
I brought into my mouth my own name, that is to say a word of power, and even I came into existence in the form of things which came into being, and I came in the forms of the Creator. End quote. Here we encounter the most profound spiritual cosmological account. We are told that before the first manifestations of creation, the Lord of all was alone. This is monotheism way before Ankhenaten and Moses. That the creation was a division process that began with bipolarization. Thus, all creatures and therefore all things in the world are forms that have been differentiated out of one underlying being. That supreme being came into existence in the form of things which came into being and came in the forms of the creator. In other words, the energy matter at the basis of the body mind and spirit and consciousness and intelligence of all creatures are modifications and expressions of the supreme being, Neb-er-tchur. How else can we say that all is one? Oneness is just not a commonality of interest, but one is a totality of being. The statement above is extremely poignant. Quote, I came in the forms of the creator, end quote, is it is clear that all the creatures are vehicles through which the supreme being overcomes its oneness. All alone before creation, God had no one to interact with, no one to talk to, to do anything with. There is no enjoyment or drama of life. So it divides its substance into infinitude of beings, projects, its consciousness and intelligence through them, and thus is able to enjoy life. Yet all the creatures cannot serve as vehicles that can allow God to act and experience the fullness of its divinity. It creates thus a vehicle that enables it to come in the forms of the creator. This form is man. God, who in the existence of his being is one and only, one entity is only able to live and enjoy life by creating forms within it. By projecting its consciousness and intelligence into these forms, God is thus able to achieve its goal. The basic scheme is the creation of a form through which God can come into the world as God. Man and all other creatures are supportive agents of the biosphere that makes life possible. Uplifting, evolving, growing, call it what you may, one's self to meet the requirements for God's being to express itself through us is in the ultimate destiny and purpose of all men. Aiding this process is the responsibility of all governments, religious and educational institutions, and the goal of every science and art. Another version of the book 
of the knowing the creations of Ra and overthrowing a pep states the following, quote, my name is Ausaris. I have done my will over the entire earth. I brought my name into my mouth. That is a word of power. And I, even I came into existence and the form of things which came into existence, coming into existence in multitude of forms. It is clear from this account of creation that the comedic sages are stating that the name of the supreme being is Ausaris, and that is, and that it is a word of power. We will have much to say about this later on. Ausaris is the name of God's Godhead, while Ausar is the name given to the manifestation of God as man's self. A tomb is an, is an adjective noun that indicates the imponderable nature of God's self. The text of the comedic creation account makes it clear that the oneness of the supreme being made it impossible for it to have the experience of life. To do so, it had to transform its energy matter into the myriads of things that make up the world. Its experience of the world is not an outside viewing of the events in the world, but as a participant, it therefore enters into all things and dwells in them as their consciousness and will. Of all creatures, it is man that provides God with the faculties needed for God to experience itself as the creator and to manifest itself as creator in the world. Man's relation to God and the world's spiritual literature. An honest and logical examination of the religious scriptures of antiquity will reveal that they all claim that man, that quote, man has been made in the likeness of God. That is that man shares in the attributes of God. We will start with the oldest known religious scripture of the world, the Pyramid Text. This book was first inscribed in the walls of the Pyramid of Pharaoh, Unaz, the last king of the 5th dynasty, 2375-2374 BC, and copied its subsequent pyramids of the 5th dynasty kings, Pepi one Morena Pepi II, Lib Libi, Ibi, and Ibi, or Lbi, and the queens of Pepi II, Neith, Wedgepten, and Iput, 2190 BC, and in the tombs of non royals, Metu Nefer, governor of Ducal. Under Pepi II, Akenhen Murra, Merira, M E R Y R A, during the reign of Pepi I. Incidentally, the appearance of the pyramid texts in the pyramids of the queens and in the tombs of the non-royals 
refutes the contention of Egyptologists that the pyramid texts were written to defy the kings. The pyramid texts disappear towards the collapse of the Old Kingdom, 2180 B.C., and appear again in 380 B.C. in the tomb of the Amenirdis I, a priestess of Amen during the 30th dynasty when the kings of Cush took over Egypt and attempted to restore the ancient tradition of Egypt. Many portions of the pyramid texts were included in the tomb of Padai Amen Apep and Keri Heb priests, 7th century BC. The vizier Bach and Renef, the admirable, the admiral Han Hebu, and the official Pasmatek all around the 7th century BC. The Pyramid Texts. The writings known as the Pyramid Texts are nothing more than the epipaphs inscribed in the burial tombs of the kings and the queens of the 5th and 6th dynasties in commemoration of their spiritual quest in life and therefore the good afterlife that awaits them. Unlike most people today, the ancient Egyptian was not content to be remembered by their worldly accomplishments. They chose for their epipaphs materials from the text of their spiritual initiation. If man is made in the likeness of God, then becoming a God-woman, God-man on earth has to be the prime objective of life, period. No one could have been sharing a good father or mother and still sin. Not so if one has actualized the divine potential in which one has been made. The Epipath Pyramid Text of King Unaz 2375 B.C. Quote, O Ausar Unaz, heaven has caused you to be a god to your foes in your name of God. Thou exists at the side of God after that death. There is tumult in heaven. We see something new, say the primal divine intelligences. He sits on the throne of the Supreme Being. Make salutations, you angels, to the King to whom belong power on his divine throne. The brief selection from the text is nothing more than the recognition of King Unaz's realization of divinity and oneness with God. Let's recall that in the Book of Knowing, the transformations of Ra, the name given to the Supreme Being is Ausaris. Hence, the spirituality realized initiating Kemet is given the title Ausar. We will see in the future chapter how this is substance and practice in the same of the title of the Christ that is given to Jesus. Note that Ausaris is given to indicate the unmanifested aspect of God while Ausar is God's self dwelling in man. 
Hence, we have thousands of years before Christianity, the position of the manifested aspect of God equated with Jesus Christ being the same as the unmanifested aspect equated with the Father, that the Father and the Son are one. Dogged Christianity for centuries, yet thousands of years before that, and commit is, is was a common understanding. And here ends the reading on page 49. Chapter 2.